fancy ham. <laughs> It's a good start. Good start off, fancy ham. <laughs> He's a gorgeous gammon, that lad. <laughs> we are recording, so when you're ready. Uh, does anyone want to intro into a camera? So, um, can we do one into the camera and, yeah, then we'll, and you... we'll, we'll do one just to each yeah, other as well? Yeah, sure. uh, Welcome to Tom and David's Odd Shaped Balls, a weekly look at all things rugby and NFL. We're going to be starting off with the Six Nations recap from this week and a look at the Super Bowl. And I'll do one to, can I do one to David? Welcome to Tom and Dave's Odd Shaped Balls, a weekly look at all the things NFL and rugby. We're going to be having a chat about the Six Nations and, of course, the Super Bowl. Might as well dive straight in, I guess. I think we should. Yeah. I think we should. So, uh, obviously, a couple of great games at the weekend. Um, biggest game, probably Ireland-France. Yes. Titanic well, clash. Probably not as big as the Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it depends if you're Irish and or... Uh, yeah. Um, the uh, the well, game... Go on, sorry. You say that, but straight off the bat, I watched the Irish-French um, game with some North Americans who kept on going on about how Irish they were, which made me come over all French. <laughs> Uh, the beginning of the game, I was completely wanting an Irish victory. Yeah. If there's anything that will turn you off the Irish, next to a loved one being disposed of in a car bomb, uh, <laughs> it's an American pretending to be Irish. What what part of America were they from? Uh, well, I said North America because it was actually Canadian. Oh. So they're, not, they're not even really American. Yeah. That was like, when, when I was living over there, that was the uh, the blight of every St. Patrick's Day. Yeah, God, Jesus. You just, well. you just have like every, I'm called Megan, I'm definitely Irish. <laughs> or like, <laughs> every St. Patrick's Day parade, there's like a, a bus of like, people from like Long Island and uh, Staten Island, like flood into Manhattan. And then you'd have like, you know, you can't, you can't arrest him. Who's going to deliver mass tomorrow? <laughs> He only punched a horse. It's just a horse. Let him go. <laughs> I'm Irish. Yeah. 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 So that 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 was why I felt like I needed to immediately buy a, a <laughs> stripy T-shirt and a string of garlic. Uh, by the end of the game, I was screaming in French. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh... <laughs> which, which is just most of French. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just angry throat noises. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, should we actually talk about the game? Um, what, what a game indeed. I, I, it seemed like such a wonderful metaphor for everything that's going on in world rugby at the moment. We've got this, we had this dreary couple of years where everybody was sort of money balling it. Everybody was playing percentages and there was no flair. There was no breaking of the game line whatsoever. And suddenly we've got this revolution of these incredible French players. Mm. We've got Finn Russell, we've got Marcus Smith and this, this new dawn of expressive, exciting rugby. And I know people like to say that Ireland have turned a corner as well, but they are still percentage rugby. They're so organized. They're so mm -hmm. structured. And, um, it was it was a great arm wrestle between those styles and uh, yeah, yeah I've, I, 
I, I, I'm going to say, you know, I've got a bias. I don't like game managers. Yeah. I like, I like, I, I don't watch, I don't watch sport to watch game managers. I don't watch sport to see a safe pair of hands. Yeah. I watch sport to see people <laughs> being gladiators, be, d trying to do something incredible. Yeah. Uh, and the French did that and they won. So I think the right team win. Yeah. And I, I, I know what you mean. End if, of case. If, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I walk out of the courtroom <laughs> to rapturous applause. Uh, and no, it does. It feels like a moral victory. Every time France win playing like that, it yeah. feels like a moral victory yeah. for the sport. My, my only worry with them is if, they've, if they're peaking a bit too early. I mean, you've seen this with Ireland did it before the 2019 World Cup. New Zealand have done it before a number of World Cups where they're playing scintillating rugby. Everyone's hearts and minds are like, we want this team to win. And then for whatever reason, 12 months down the line, Another team figures them out, and they don't get the big, the big win in the big tournament. But they're hardly, they're hardly a finished product, though, are they? Because they're they're not structured, they're not disciplined. Mm. So they've got a lot to improve on. I don't think, I don't think anybody's watching that game and go, "Oh, that is a perfect display." Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I think they, I think they've got plenty to go. They're, they're further down the line than than certainly England, mm. who probably should have started rebuilding straight after the last World Cup. But Yeah. Well, I think you raise a good point with the philosophy thing, because I think when teams get figured out, it's usually because they've got a structure, they've got a pattern, they've got a set way of playing, and other teams can unlock that. Other yeah. teams can build for that and plan for it and defend against it. And I think you're right. When it's France and it's a philosophical way you want to play, that can be harder to, to mitigate for, because it's like, well, they're just superstar athletes with yeah. this incredible mentality and appreciation of how rugby gets played yeah. who are now adding some discipline and some structure yeah. to what's always been there. Which um, I'm sure is the influence of uh, their defence coach, um, the Wigan guy that used to Sean coach. Edwards. Ed, Sean Edwards, of course, yeah. As a, as, as a lad from Leeds, I think any time a northerner does well in international rugby, there's always a little... A little bit of pride. does seem... I mean, it feels hard to imagine this stoical, monosyllabic man from Wigan blending in in Paris. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's kind of beautiful, isn't it? Two, two croissants! Here! Hey! I love two beers! I'll have one of those French pastries you do. Uh, yeah. Have you not got any gravy with that? It's, a, it's like a doorknob, but it's too cowardly to meet that end. <laughs> I ain't got enough about it. <laughs> well, have you heard him speak French? No, I imagine it's uh, something to touch yourself to. It's pretty... He's, so his actual French vocabulary is not bad. It's pretty good. But his accent, he's made no effort. He's like, Bonjour. Yeah. Maintenant, vous, vous, smash that cunt. Right. <laughs> jouer, jouer, très hard. Right. Fiku. Fiku. You bastard, get in line! <laughs> it's, it's, it's amazing, like, what, but the players love him because apparently what it forces him to do is, because uh, he can't speak much much French, he only uses like four or five words in training. Right. So they don't have these long philosophical conversations <laughs> about structure and pattern and it's like, you up, hit him! <laughs> don't stand too far from him! Batter that one! I, mean, I think you need more of it. In, I mean, talking about the structure being a figured out i mean that was really the problem i thought with england i definitely owned the the owen farrell years because um they always wanted to start in exactly the same way but to force a line out and then score a try early doors they were so particular that uh, jamie george would stand off the pitch 
before mm. it went out that they were forcing a line out in that first play from the kickoff. Yeah. And and then Wales sort of cracked the code. And then England went, oh, taking our toy away now yeah what, what are we gonna do now because it, it, it's like it's like if you play me at chess i know i know a check making three moves mm. but i know no other chess yeah yeah <laughs> so if you if you stop that check making three move either because you know what i'm doing or by accident i have nothing else <laughs> yeah and then you'd see and owen Farrell typified this this like sense of like well it's not fair <laughs> yes, yes. you can't take my toy yeah <laughs> it's my toy yeah that really yeah, yeah. He gets very upset doesn't he yeah and i think i think you're absolutely right with the french mental because like what they have added and sean edwards is a big part of it but the, what you hear coming out of that camp is that actually rafael ibanez is a big emotional part of what's made that team tougher his his influence like bringing that sort of wasps winning mentality is what's allowed the French players to, I guess, import some of that ang anglicised grit or right. or, or um, practicality, let's say, uh -huh. and translate that into a, a Gallic, you know, we can still do this in a fun way, we can still do this in a way that makes us happy, that makes us feel like we're still France. Yes, and they've got, they've got to keep on it, because you don't, you don't want them changing, do you? No. I mean, any sports team throughout history that's uh, won a lot of things has acquired glory hunters and you know that you know whether it be manchester united in the 90s or the rays of even england uh, in the early 2000s yeah. with johnny wilkinson and stuff and you start seeing more jerseys around town this has not happened for saracens because no. they're dull yeah it doesn't matter how much you win if the games will literally put you in a coma yeah it's uh you know so france please don't go change no you know? no it's like um, Saracens always remind me of that Michelin web sketch with the the German soldiers on the barricades and like, oh, we're the baddies. <laughs> <laughs> we dress in black. Everyone hates us. Are we the? We've got a skull and like, if if Saracens peeled their badge back and there was a skull and crossbones underneath it. Saracens aren't charismatic enough <laughs> to be Nazis. <laughs> Say what you will. <laughs> Say what you will about the SS. Yeah, <laughs> they can't pull off a jackboot. <laughs> 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 there isn't one member of the Nazi party who is as poorly dressed as Owen Farrell. <laughs> or as dull at a dinner party. Yeah, damn right. <laughs> you get a lot more value out of Goebbels. At least he had some ideas. <laughs> Come, on. Come on, Owen. Give me something to bounce off. Just a little bit of anti semitism Someone to bounce off. Worry about me forehead. <laughs> okay, Owen. Good. Good. All right. Is it winding up? Last bit of Beaujolais finished, is it? Come on. Just a, a little bit more about the actual game. Mm. I don't think Ireland mi missed Sexton. I don't think it had anything to do with the Interesting. results. Interesting. Tell me more. Uh, well, I just don't feel that... I mean, he's a great player, um, but I didn't think the thing that they missed was some sort of dynamism in the midfield. Mm. I mean, I mean, I am saying that they lack flair, but I don't think... Sex Sexton's a... A controller, isn't he? You know, and so sometimes, I mean, Ireland do tend to go as his emotional uh, boiling yeah. point goes. And yeah. if he starts to lose his uh, his cool, then the whole sort of the, the beautiful structure that we've talked about—the fact mm. that they are the most organised, the most structured side in world rugby—falls apart. And they didn't have that 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 
pressure valve yeah. there. So I don't. I'm not saying he's not better. He is. He is a great, great player. But I don't think it was him missing him. That yeah, made I think the he difference. used the right word there. I think he's the emotional more than the tactician. He's the emotional heartbeat yeah. for that team. And I think maybe something it actually reveals is other players not being as ready or as willing to step up into that role. So you saw like James Ryan. <clears throat> when they had that, that decision late to go for the corner or three points, mm. you feel like if Johnny Sexton was on the pitch, whatever decision he made, it would have made it like that. It would have been like, we're doing this, get behind it, this is what we're doing. And you saw James Ryan was looking round at Joey Carberry, he was looking round at Peter Armani, he was sort of like asking um, in Henderson, he was sort of asking a few of the senior people, what do you think, what do you think? And you wonder if in moments like that, you want someone on the pitch who's just going to be like, lads, we're doing this, yeah. right or wrong, get after it, get behind me, we're doing yeah. it. Maybe that's what it gives them more than... No, no, nothing instills confidence in the the red mist of battle of I don't know what do you yeah that's <laughs> take five Can we take five no I'll have I'll have a quick chat if you could all put your answers on a little piece of paper and we'll put it in a hat yeah a wee hat we'll have it in a hat and Ian what do you reckon we'll come out after yeah no when when the axes are flying that's yeah. not what you that's not what you want to hear no uh, yeah so I, I I agree. I think he's emotional. That's how you write a sitcom. Yeah. <laughs> Come in. Come. It's, it's not how you take a castle on the top of a hill. <laughs> well, the castle on top of a hill would be a good name for a sitcom. <laughs> Coming this this winter on RTE, James Ryan takes the castle. Um, yeah. No, I, I think uh, I think yeah, Sexton's emotional impact. But again, I feel like they haven't moved on from that. And I think it's something that England is struggling with with Owen Farrell as well. Is like when you give someone that much control over a team and when they're not there their absences well, I, I, again I don't think England have really been Damien Farrell I think the one that they haven't ever been able to work out a contingency for is uh, Manitou Nalangi because mm-hmm. you know they've got all these other uh, they've tried some ridiculous they, they quoted it during the game uh, that they've had some like 32 centre partnerships yeah. since the World Cup final um, which is just yeah. just mental um, and not, I don't think one of them, apart from Manadil Lange, is a game line passer, somebody who actually breaks the game line. Mm. I and mean, you can't find any footage of Owen Farrell ever breaking the game line. He, because he, he, he's a fly half at heart, mm-hmm. he's not, you know, I mean, he's a big lump of a guy, but mm-hmm. he doesn't really ever beat anybody for speed. Yeah. Ever beat anybody for speed. Yeah. And rarely beats anybody for power. So, he, you know, he's just a, a second fly half. And uh, Slade is kind of in that mould as well, although he's got a little bit faster of foot. And you, they just, despite the fact that they've constantly had to live without Manu, they still don't have a plan, which is weird. If he was like, you know, a sort of, you know, man of steel that was never injured and you're constantly going, yeah, I mean, it's great. We mm-hmm. win all the time because of Manu, but fuck me, if he goes down, we're fucked. Well, I don't know. But yeah. They've had to learn to live without him, and yet they still don't have a plan to how to live without him. But I think the problem they've got is because he's a just a you know, you you will go fifty years and not find somebody with the physical attributes of Manu Tuolangi you can do it at international level. So I think it's kind of it is kind of like that Moneyball thing of like you can't replace that individual that that just doesn't exist. So I think when they when he's not in the team, they have to play completely differently. And I think that is what's been really, really hard. You, you go from this um, structure where you're going to play probably with a one-three-three-one or whatever it is in the middle of the park, where you've got Kyle Sinclair, Ellis Genge maybe working at the top of a 
I'm, I'm new to podcasting, but I think this banging on the table is probably annoying. <laughs> also, measuring up the pitch. Oh, well done. With my oh. yeah, yeah, with my tiny, tiny hands. Um, but I think that if if you're going to play that kind of structure, that like your two fly half thing works. I think when you've got a big lad in midfield who can break any t- any tackle uh, in world rugby, yeah, it's what Andre Esterhausen does at Harlequins, and I think when you do have, you know. A, a diminutive fly half like George Fall or Marcus Smith having a monster outside him does help because mm. I, I like I like marching a lot but he's not he's not a man mounting is he no but I mean obviously Esther Hazen's played that role for Quinns and yeah. done a fantastic job but again he's a guy with like a pretty unique physical skill set and I think if he when he goes down Quinns find it pretty hard to to, to replace someone like that yeah it's hard to coach sizes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like Steve, right this week in training, what we're going to do is make all of you bigger. Steve Hansen said that about the All Blacks. He got asked about what was one of the keys to their success, and he sort of gave a you know pretty philosophical answer about culture of rugby. Da da da. And he's like, oh yeah, but also we just have a lot of big blokes. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. we grow up outside, mate. You know, <laughs> some big boys. <laughs> Yeah, I think I heard him say something along the lines of, well, skill's all right, but uh, nine out of ten times a big guy beats a small guy. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of, you know. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of always been the problem. I mean, George fought no one, maybe bar Finn Russell, reads the game better than George Ford, but you always have to put another player next to him. Yeah. Because otherwise you've got a huge hole in your defence. So you normally put the hooker behind him mm-hmm. so that, you know, he doesn't just get run over nine out of ten plays. Mm. So you, you really, all, you're hampering yourself. But, you know, the the sort of, I mean, no one ever clattered people in the same way as Johnny Wilkinson, but you got that damn bigger role where they're a fly half and a physical presence yeah. is, is pretty rare. And especially, that, and when they do tend to be that Johnny Wilkinson, that damn bigger type, then they don't tend to have that maverick magician quality of a Marcus Smith. Yeah. Uh, you know, you know, can't be all things to all men, I suppose. Yeah, and they also don't tend to be as durable as you want someone to be to give them the keys to the team. Yeah, yeah. Does Big Air struggled with injury? I, don't I mean, he's sort of like... I mean, don't really care about Welsh people. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure the feeling's mutual, David. Uh, they... Uh, well, they, I mean, not true. I said it for a fact. I mean, they saw it. The, <laughs> they, they saw it the weekend. Like it was, like, it was on one leg for a lot of that game. He's, 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 he's one of those guys. I think he's in and out, in and out, um, more so than than uh, someone like Marks. I think will be in his career. It's, it's kind of similar to NFL quarterbacks, isn't it? Like you know, if you, the more you, Josh Allen's or Joe Burrow's having to like learn to slide because. Yeah, I mean, it was. It's a mystery, isn't it? I mean, how did Eli Manning never get hurt? Yeah. You know, a man who looked like he was allergic to the weight room, <laughs> yeah. and you say, "Well, what, what make what 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 do you do to become less injury prone? Well, become stronger, build build a a bigger chassis to you know." Mm-hmm. And yet, Manny Tungalangi can get injured in a team talk. Yeah, and Eli Manning didn't get. <laughs> Manny, he looks like Mr. Muscle. Yeah. And he got hit by defensive ends. And he was behind a bad offensive line as for well. Years. For years. He's getting smashed left, right and centre by 250 pound men. Yeah. And he just gets up with that look on his face going, why would you do that to me? <laughs> it's not nice. Yeah. And then yeah. he just never get injured. Yeah. And then, 
you know, and you know, Wilkinson fell apart towards the end of his career, and he was injured every five minutes. And yeah, I wonder if that his thing was more psychological though, because I feel like after the he's, he talked about that a little bit after the World Cup final, because he was twenty four when that when he won that game, obviously, and then like he'd done what he set his whole career up to do at twenty four. Yeah, but he could have done it again. Could have done it. I mean, almost almost, almost did. Come on, didn't, didn't like, four yeah, years, like four years later, Mark Cueto, yeah, eyelash in touch, yeah. But, um, actually, the touchline was in the wrong place. Yeah, <laughs> if you ask Mark, he'll tell you. Um, but yeah, I think I think he psychologically was like, I've done the big thing I needed to do, and then everything that was, you know, hurting my body or like, you know, not quite right, just fell apart. And then I think he said he said it took him like six, seven years to get back, and it was basically like when he went to Toulon, wasn't it? Yeah, he was a different man when he went to Toulon. He, yeah, I mean, talking about again a game manager who found flair in the end of his. And people say that about the last season of Tom Brady that he was a far more exciting player to watch in that last season than he was in the sort of previous ten. Yeah, because it's sort of like playing with house money. And yeah, like, you know, I did feel sorry for him that um, Adam what, Schefter. I bigger part, who? <laughs> you felt sorry for Tom Brady. I did at the end because Adam Schefter took away his uh, retirement announcement. I don't know if you, like the ESPN guys tweeted like I've heard he's going to retire. Right. And then, obviously, you know, it's like the most decorated player in the history of the NFL, and he didn't even get to announce that he was going out on his own terms. I mean, people said that I heard he's going to retire after many seasons, and then it didn't come to be true. I don't think anybody believed it until he said it. And, and many people, including myself, didn't believe it either when he said it. Yeah, yeah. Then one day later, he said, never say never. Yeah, you do, you do wonder if, like, if the book signed a good receiver in the offseason or something, you get a knock yeah. on the door. Or if, uh, yeah, like a you know a check mysteriously wafts into his front living room. I don't think money's the motivating force. <laughs> I think but, he might, do you think he might have enough money? Yeah, I was going to say, you don't think someone who's played 20, 20 years in the NFL, supermodel wife, <laughs> a few more coins. <laughs> we could really do with an extension, love. I don't know if I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to play one more year. <laughs> this conservatory. last big fight. Yeah. Just for the big, for the purse, for the purse. I've been waiting for the big purse my whole life. Exactly. This uh, this this magnet kitchen's not going to pay for itself. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, he's got a, a catering book out, so it did pay for itself. <laughs> I didn't know that. Is that is is, is he's got a, he has got a cookbook yeah, and it's TV like hundred. It's like a hundred dollars a blow. Great. Probably not a blow. <laughs> That's say. his third business. <laughs> say what you will about Tom Brady, he'll do anything for money. <laughs> I'll, let me show you how pliable I am. <laughs> Get on his knees for Uncle Sam. <laughs> how bendy are you? Let me show you. I'll show you how bendy I am. Um, should we have a quick chat about Wales, Scotland? Yes, if we must. Because that was, that was an interesting one that... You know, they've, they've beaten England. And I wonder if like, it just shows the arrogance of English fans that we think it's some sort of drop-off for Scotland to lose to Wales after beating England. But it did seem like they were on a roll or like they yeah. might have some genuine momentum behind them. And Wales did look like an absolute shower of shit against uh, Ireland. Um, but it was ever thus with Scotland that we can get uh, in... I say we, uh, after criticising Americans for saying Irish, I was born in Scotland. Um, but I was very split down the middle because both my parents were English. Normally, um, I would support Scotland because of being the underdog. 
and yet in England they against England they weren't the underdog mm. um and so I was very split down the middle, but I, yeah, to get over that big emotional uh, battle and then just next week not to really show up, not to fight. I mean, it, it's so trite for <laughs> two people who aren't professional sportsmen to say that professional sportsmen didn't try. And I'm not suggesting for a second they didn't try. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm just suggesting that they didn't get the emotional intensity that, that they, that on paper, they should, you know, if you went down the 15, you'd, mm. you'd pick the Scotland player over the Welsh player nearly every single In that game, yeah, On the pitch. And yet they just didn't find, like they were sapped by the emotional, yeah. the emotional turmoil that that relationship between Scotland and England hangs over them, that they couldn't, they couldn't just put away what should have been the lesser side. Which is what you, th what you looked at that Scotland side and thought, oh, they might have got over that now. Because that's been every, you're right, that's been every Scotland team sort of thing has been, oh, we, we, just, we just need to beat England. If we beat England, it's been a, you know, salvage the championship. And yet they can also do it against France, the old, en the old, the old friend, yeah. the old alliance. Yeah. But they beat France the last two years yeah. when France are meant to be the best team, team in, in the, the world. world. Uh, I, you know, uh, and I, Wales, who, who, who somebody referred to Welsh rugby as like an armadillo. It shouldn't be able to fly. But oh, it was Joe Lydon. Uh, it was yeah. really an amazing comment. Especially because armadillos don't fly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <but. laughs> I was, I was, I was We've got to stop giving these ex-Wigan rugby league players positions of prominence. <laughs> you just imagine in a press conference, <laughs> armadillos don't fly. <laughs> it's like an armadillo. Is it Joe? Are you sure? You've seen an armadillo, Joe? No, it's like one of them big strappy things. You've seen them. <laughs> Down the pier, you know. You ride them. You're going back at armadillo. <laughs> no, Joe. Uh, yeah, it's just... It, they, they, they always are more than the sum total of their parts, and I wish Scotland would find out how to do that. Yeah, I feel like for just for international rugby in general and just the sport as a whole, you want more teams that are genuinely competitive and more games. It's yes. so like you want more teams that can get to a World Cup semi-final and genuinely think this could go either way. Yeah. And uh, I was actually hoping, because I, I, I'm sort of, I think, got the similar vibe to a lot of England fans at the minute where I don't really feel emotionally invested in this England team, particularly. Like, there's some, been some England teams over the years where I've really felt like yeah. they're representing what English fans want to see out of this team. And, and at the minute, it feels hard. I think Eddie Jones has maybe overstayed his welcome in terms of the <laughs> the goodwill of, yes. of people and playing this constant curmudgeon underdog we're developing thing. I just don't think it helps anything. So I think I, I was quite keen to see Scotland kick on and actually develop into a competitive side that isn't psyched to be England, but is actually like, we have our own ambitions. Yeah, yeah. And you're, you're right about Eddie Jones. It's become very tiresome, hasn't it, that he will just move the, the, the goalposts. Whenever you say, you'd say uh, 18 months ago, you guys are a very boring side. I guess I don't think the audience care as long as I win. And then a year later, you go, oh, we keep on losing, mate. Go, well, we're building something, mate. We're building a new, exciting way to play. You're either one or the other. You're yeah. either money-balling it for victories, regardless how boring you are. Yeah. Or you're an exciting uh, cavalier team. You can't you can't be both depending on the results on that day. And, it, it, yeah, you're right. I think he has worn out his goodwill and... Uh, um, but I'm excited for these new guys. I'm ex I mean, I'm biased because of my roots with Harlequins, but um, 
but to see Marcus Smith and Dumbran and Merchant come through and um, Liners looks like it, you know, mm -hmm. he's knocking on the door. So yeah. I think there's a lot of very exciting young players. Mm. And some of them aren't even playing for Holocrons. <laughs> um, Rafi Quirk yeah. is uh, the only one I can think of. Um, sure there are others. Like Rafi Quirk, Harry Randall, Freddie yeah. Stewart's been excellent. He's just been amazing. Yeah. I mean, just like, it, it's just sort of like become a world-class test animal overnight. Yeah. <laughs> just like, isn't, that, isn't that funny how some lads come into international rugby and it's like, you look like you're made for this. Yeah. You just look like There's you've been no doing this your whole life. pains, no learning the ropes. Just, yeah, this is what I was meant to do. Yeah. I mean, like, is that deb was his debut against South Africa or his second game maybe against South Africa in the autumn? Yeah, I think his first game was... No, I think I think he played in all three, didn't he? He played Tonga, Australia, yeah. South Africa. It was like, um, but nevertheless, it's just like Jamie Renner in the Hurt Locker, just diffusing bombs after bomb after bomb. He's just yeah. unbelievable because they didn't. It wasn't like they didn't try him. I like no. just peppered him up there, and he was yeah, it just looked like he'd, be, he'd been made for it. So I think I agree. There was there's maybe a new generation come through. I feel like the Saracens cloud is just something that lingers over that squad. Yeah. It really annoyed me actually when Eddie, Eddie Jones gave an interview and he said. Uh, Oh, I just I don't think I appreciated how much the relegation was going to affect those blokes. Like, what do you mean? It's like, it, I mean, it was weird, wasn't it? Because everybody, when they got relegated, everybody said, actually, this is going to be good for England because they've been suffering with burnout. So it's nice for them to have a bit of a rest. And then, every, and then everybody went with surprise going, well, we had no idea, but it turns out if you don't play rugby very often, you stop being very good at rugby. <laughs> yeah. I mean, can you imagine a comedian? Turning up at a massive gig, going. The really good thing about this is I haven't gigged for weeks, so yeah. I'm fresh. <laughs> yeah, like who's 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 doing your surgery? Oh, it's Doctor Doctor Smith. Don't worry, they haven't they haven't, they haven't operated for years. Yeah. It's been he's, he's uh he's really fresh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's ridiculous. Uh, yeah, I think yeah the, 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 the you know those Saracen boys were absolute warriors for years, but you know well I was thinking times change. It was the arrogance that. In a, in a good way, that the arrogance they carried from winning so much oh. at domestic level, I think, carried over into the international team, and they were the mm. core of that um, mentality that that 2016 to 2019 team had. Yeah. And uh, I think at the moment they're looking for a new identity, aren't they? And I, I thought Scotland had found theirs with this sort of Finn Russell, Stuart Hogg, Ali Price... You all seem to see the you know key your key decision makers all see the game the same way. It's a generation of generational players, isn't it? I mean, if they don't make the most of them, you know, you're not going to get another Finn Russell. Talking about being yeah. able to replace your Manitoulin, like, yeah. you're not going to be able to replace Finn Russell. So you better fucking win something now. Yeah. But I mean, it'd be so fucking Scottish to beat France in the next round and then lose to Italy. <laughs> it would be. I mean, I, 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 yeah. Perfectly feasible. I mean, should we, should we, should we talk about Italy? Because, yeah, I mean, um, it was good to get the to Nilum to be the first to Nilum, but um, Italy could have got points. They had plenty of opportunities to kick for goal, and England have beaten them 43 and 46 mm -hmm. many times, but they chose to go for the corner, which is the courageous thing to do. Mm -hmm. Then England stood up and stopped them going over. You can't, can't really, I mean, it's sloppy. Perform. It was a, how can a nilling be a sloppy? Yeah, a five five tried to nil performance still be sloppy, yeah. and yet it it kind of was, which uh, shows more to where Italy is to, than to where England is. Probably. Yeah, and also I just think that the level of, I mean, in the press they always say we respect them, we respect them, we respect them, but it's, it's got to be hard to like actually in that week 
actually be like, oh, we're worried about Italy. Well, I mean, I did text you during the game saying <laughs> that England are bringing on a ginger person. I don't <laughs> think do. Ultimate level of disrespect. Whoa. He's never going to play again. <laughs> He's just there for that game. Such a horrible thing to do to Italy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> bringing on an aggressively ginger second, second row, was he? No, he was playing at six, I think. Six. He'd come on for... Um... Just an aggressively ginger mutant just to come off the... <laughs> Come off the bench. Chisholm, first ever. It was his debut, wasn't it? Yeah, good for him. Good for him. Good for him. Well done. Well done, Chizzo. I mean, look what he's achieved despite... <laughs> despite everything. Yeah. <laughs> All the limitations put on him. Genetic genetic limitations he faces. For the six foot four perfect athlete. Yeah. <laughs> With ginger. <laughs> That's like one of those would you rathers. <laughs> would you rather be... <laughs> Athletic perfect <laughs> specimen. <laughs> And ginger. Or oh, blonde. Yeah. But never a professional yeah. athlete. Slightly pear-shaped. <laughs> blonde. Yeah. Yeah, there, was, yeah, there isn't much to say really about those Italy games. I think maybe it's something we can come back to in a future episode about just like what Italy's place is in the championship. Because you wonder, you know, you'd, I, I would love to see the IRB or World Rugby as it is now just invest really heavily in Italy maybe like Samoa, Tonga in America, and just try and, if you're going to pick like three teams in world rugby, just to lift the standard mm. and be like, these teams need to be competitive. It's not about generating an opportunity for like Georgia to come in or for Canada to come in. It's like, no, just pick the three or four. Well, the, the, I think a second tier to have some more money and exposure, you know, for the second tier to be on a terrestrial side that would be, I mean, Romania used to be a very good side. Mm. You know, we used to play Romania in every autumn internationals, and 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 it, I mean, it got silly towards the end. There was some seventeen, I think, um, when um, even a hundred pointer, I think, at one stage. Like maybe, I mean, it was um, Jason Robinson's debut, and he scored four tries against mm. Romania. So it did get silly towards the end. But uh, there was a time when Romania looked like they were going to be the sixth member of the Six Nations. Mm. And if you, do, you know. Again, if you don't put people on television, if you don't give them money, if you don't give them... Uh, so if there was a second tier that got exposure and was on on television and we watched it and, you know, and then playing for those sides, you know, dare I say it, Dan Luger may have played for his native Croatia rather than England. Mm. <laughs> Potentially stretching the point. Yeah. But I think, yeah, I think uh, professionalism has left so many of those teams behind. Yeah. Like, uh, I think in the, in the 90s, the world... I, I Canada. Run, yeah, Canada is another great example. I think, yeah. like, in the early 90s, because I remember the World Cup in 1991, I was, like, five or six, seven, and one of the games was at our Otley Rugby Club where I grew up, and it was, like, USA, Canada, USA, Italy. Right. And it was, like, good. Like, yeah. And it wasn't that... The standard wasn't that different to the rest of the rest of the big nations. Now, I think that is definitely because... The other nations have improved so much under professionalism. Yeah, it's like a compounding effect. Every year, you get more money, more investment. You look at more details of the game. The gap just gets wider and wider and wider. And I think Scotland suffered from that for a long time. And I think that, and I think that's why you know their investment plan has worked really well for them. I would just love to see someone try and do something similar with a few of these tier two nations. To because otherwise, what's the point? What's the point in everyone just being like, "That's a win at the weekend for us," yeah. you know? Yeah. Well, you know, there have been shocks. So there's been some South American sides, wasn't it? Um, was it Chile? That took a, there's been a couple of big scalps, right. but they're few and far between. Yeah. And 
Um, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. But the, um, the, more, the more, though, that the top level develop, it is going to be harder for the second. Uh, I don't know how we, I don't know how we any given Sunday world rugby because, mm. you know, we're not going to have a draft. <laughs> no, 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 you're not going to have a draft, but I think, I think you could just say, like, right, we've been quite single minded about it. You're going to get a load of money. You're going to get a load of money. You're going to get a load of money. It's going to be used in these ways. Because um, you know they'd have their own revenue model like the RFU does or the IRFU Welsh yeah. RFU does to like generate their own funds. But um, do you think England learn anything from the early game? I think it's just more time in the saddle for Marcus Smith and and the new combinations and uh, and yeah them growing in confidence and ready for more more of the same. I think I think we'll we'll, we'll see coming up against Wales. Yeah. I'll, are Wales the real deal? Oof. Are Wales the team that they played against Scotland? Well, you mentioned emotional, you know, riding emotional waves yeah. from sort of uh, the Scotland team maybe peaked playing England and come onto a dip. Yeah. You would think Wales are going to be riding high going I, uh, yeah. going into that game. Yeah. And yeah, England have been able to lose against Wales regardless of Wales' form elsewhere for the last decade. Yeah. So. And there's rumours as well like Jonathan Davis might be back in that team. Um, and... I, I, it's interesting, isn't it? Because how just results dictate narratives in sports, and they can be like very close, and and uh, then the narrative gets very far apart. But like all of a sudden, if Wales bring in a few of these, you know, real seasoned warriors, gets come back into the Wales team, and they do okay in the next three games, their narrative of, the, of this championship can be completely different to what it looked like. Yeah, a week it, ago. It is amazing because I mean, you even had Sam Warburton sort of like saying, oh, "I can't see them not coming fifth. And now we're talking about them like, you know, what what a difference one game makes. Yeah. Um, yeah. We'll see. Yeah. Which is why the Six Nations is great because yeah. outside of the Italy fixtures, it's it, at the moment it's hyper, hyper competitive. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think I think it's the highest aggregate rankings those teams have ever had in, in the sort of world rankings. Oh, really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Which shows how, how tough it is at the top. Um, speaking of the, the uh, importance of one game, obviously uh, NFL season just came to a close. Yes. With the uh, Super Bowl. Um, what did you make of the game? Uh, loved it. Um, went a bit, went a bit uh, flat in the middle, didn't it? Um, I have a huge love for Odell Beckham. I was so excited that he, uh, as a Giants fan, I hated the fact that Dave Gellerman traded him away. I, I was so pleased that he found a new home and scored a touchdown in the in the Super Bowl. And then his knee blew out, and then after that, the Rams looked like they lost ideas. They didn't know, mm. like the one. I mean. He, he wasn't exactly then. He'd never been their number one receiver. Always yeah. Cooper Cup has been that. But um, they really did look like they went flat. And Cincinnati Bengals are just the the, the fairy tale of fairy tales, mm. aren't they? And what's so interesting with American football, with the every given Sunday, the fact that they've got a draft, the fact that they've got a, a, a salary cap and everybody's meant to have the same resources that you still manage to have pile-on teams. Mm. In the NBA and, and in soccer, if... You know, you get uh, a Russian oligarchy comes in and buys Chelsea, and then they buy all the top players in the world, like mm. they did in the late '90s. And now everybody's going for that model of the foreign money, just buying players. And you can't do that in the NFL. And yet, th the Rams managed to build an all-star, a globetrotters team of yeah. great players. players mm -hmm. that, impossible not to love yeah donald von miller and von miller well, uh, and here's the thing the two heartbeats of the, the cooper cup and donald the only two that were drafted yeah 
everybody else from the quarterback to uh, you know, Von Miller, mm. everyone to Odell Beckham, they're all trades. Yep. But the two people who 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 the MVP was between Donald and and okay. Cooper Cup, and it's probably only not Donald because they probably got their votes in before the final play of the game. Yeah, and he and he iced that game. Yeah. And uh, you hear like Sean McVay called that on the sideline. Yes. Yeah. And he's like, Aaron's going to ice this for us. He's going to do it. He's going to do it. And he just, and that is, that is such an admirable quality. I think in any sports person, where like you are expected to deliver in a moment, and you do. Yeah. And there's all kinds of pressure on you, and everyone's like, "This is why you get paid. It all comes down to this." Yeah. And then you just deliver the thing yeah. that everyone needs you to, despite the fact that everyone knows you're being asked to. <laughs> and the opposition knows that you're about yeah. to do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, so, like when they're evaluating uh, wingers, I mean, this is going way back, talking about the difference between when the 2003 World Cup winning England side, you've got your. Uh, uh, ben Cohen in the sort of almost Jonah Lumu model mm. of you know what he's going to do but best of luck trying to stop him and then on the other wing you've got your Jason Robinson of you have no idea what he's going to do if you could if you could get hold of him you could stop him very easily but best of luck trying to get hold of him mm. and those different types mm -hmm. of of attack and quite often if um, you know people the, the fact that people know your style your gameplay they know which foot you lift off and he still can't still stop. Still does it. Him. Yeah. I remember doing a, because, um, you know, Jason Robinson's from Leeds, and we were doing a skills clinic. Another one. I know. It's always podcasts. It's just, just lionizing Northerners. I'm going to do another podcast about books. <laughs> I don't have to talk about quite as many Northerners. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No chance, no chance of books in Northerners been mentioned in the same sentence. But we, were like, we, did, we did like a, it was like a skills clinic -y thing. And, uh, he said to this like 16 year old lad who's one of the guys who we were training with, like, he wants to try and tackle him. And he was like, All right, I'm going to go off my left foot in this like five meter area. Told the kid what he was going to do. Mm. And then in this like little five meter challenge, like, bang, 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 gone. It's up close and personal. It was like a magic trick. Yeah. It was so impressive. Um, but I think you're right. I think um, when you have guys like Aaron Donald, the guys like Von Miller, Cooper Cup, where they have this skill set that is so dominant and they're performing at such a high level. Mm. It has become impossible for people to stop them, defend them, and and familiarity breeds contempt. You almost become you expect them to do it every week. You know, mm. you expect Cooper Cup to to get you three touchdown grabs in the end zone, and um, and what he was drafted in two thousand and sixteen, something like that. Yeah. yeah. So you know they they're, they're great. I mean, do you think do you think Donald's going to retire? I don't think so. I don't think so, do no, you? I don't. No. But there seems to be a lot of talk about it, doesn't there? Yeah. We, I we, yeah, I mean, you wonder if, like, you're going to hear things eventually, like how badly his body's beat up and stuff, and right. you, d you don't know how sure. he's been held together. and he, you know. I feel like that that team has a very small window. Yeah. It only needs one or two of them to retire, and everybody else will run for the hills because they've got no draft picks for the next five years. Yeah. They've got nothing. They've mortgaged everything. So they've got to do it if if you know I think that they're gonna get the band back together to try it again. Yeah. You know, one Super Bowl almost doesn't feel enough for what they've built. Well, I think well, it's, it's interesting. I reckon because the Patriots are such a massive outlier in terms of what is possible in the NFL. Um, most teams, it's so hard to get back to one. Yeah. So hard. Yeah. Like Aaron Rodgers has been to one, mm. and he won it. And Green Bay have had a lot of like twelve and yeah. you know thirteen win seasons. And uh, he, he's never managed to get... Um, Drew Brees 
only won mm. one. Yeah. You know, Peyton Manning won one, and then like basically his defense won him another one. Yeah. Um, so I, I think there's a lot of logic in the LA organization saying like we just need to get one on the board. You know, we, we to to reinvigorate football in Los Angeles, to validate what we've built, to validate how we want to play the game. You know, to attract people in the future, we need to get one, and then we'll figure out what's next after that. Because you're right, the next five years they're fucked. Yeah. <laughs> Draft wise. Yeah. Well, I. I, I... And on the other side, you've got completely different sort of sets of scenarios because you've got Cincinnati are not the perfect uh, team, not the full all-stars. There's so much wrong there, but they've just got these two guys on their rocket rep, mm-hmm. uh, rocket contract? That's not <laughs> what I mean, is it? Their <laughs> rookie contract. Oh, yeah. I'd love to see a rocket contract. I'm on my rocket contract. <laughs> that sounds like Tom Brady's fourth porn <laughs> Call back. Well done. <laughs> Who's <laughs> a good boy? Um, yeah, uh, so they've got those two guys on their rookie contract. They're not costing them any money. This is they can they can, you know, if they if their offensive line could just not be absolute horseshit, mm. you know, it doesn't have to become the strength of the team. Just not be an utter revolving door, because you know if they let that. I mean, continue. Joe Burrow is going to have a very short, not just career, but life. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you're not just endangering my ability to earn, you're endangering my ability to have grandchildren. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if they can build around them, they've got a decade of, you know, mm. but if, if, if. Yeah, because you wonder, like, because their front office is terrible. Historically speaking, yeah. Like, you, you know, they still don't have an indoor practice facility. No. So like they don't, it's like every other team has they these. They had to go and ask the local university if yeah. they practice because they didn't. Yeah. And there's like, and because it was a big um, joke on Twitter during the game because I think they had a live broadcast in the Bengals stadium. Right. And were, the owner of the Bengals obviously was at SoFi watching the game live, and they kept, you know, putting these memes together of like, why are all the lights on back at the stadium? Who's paying for that? Is that is that us? I'm not paying for it. I'm here. I don't want. I don't want right. to. Uh, I think that if Joe Burrow is going to win, he's going to win in the face of a horrendous uphill battle organizationally because they're not going to go out it doesn't feel like they're going to go out and invest on his behalf and make the right moves on his behalf and they're just going to try and be like well you know we'll see how we go oh, you'd hope they'd make the most of it wouldn't you but did you, i'll give you i think the parallel example maybe because uh chase and him have this amazing connection yes so did matt stafford and um, calvin johnson yes in detroit yeah and the lions did nothing yeah. For a decade. Yeah. And they just let Matt Stafford and Calvin Johnson win Over. seven games, nine yeah. games. You know, they occasionally would, those two would dig them out of holes yeah. constantly. Um, and yeah, and Matt Stafford never, had never been to the playoffs or, or no. maybe like played one playoff game before the, before the Rams. So that's the, that's the alternative. The alternative is yeah. that kind of scenario. Well, that, yeah, it's pretty tragic. It's amazing how the different organizations, because, you know, the, the, the resources are meant to be divvied up so equally in the NFL. Um, and yet you have these organizations that are just run like apps. <laughs> mm. like, like you wouldn't... You wouldn't run a corner shop as bad as, you know, <laughs> you know, your local Starbucks has got better managers than this place, yeah. you know. And, and the difference between sort of like, uh, who would you consider the gold standard? Probably Pittsburgh as just be always managing to sort of do things the right way. Yeah, Pittsburgh it, Patriots. Yeah. Um, I, 
and then you've got your Detroit's who just just don't seem to be able to do anything. Mm. They couldn't even. Well, I think well, you know, because all those teams they're all they're all getting the same central money. Yeah, they're all getting the TV deal. They're all getting the 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 revenue share from the league, obviously. But you, your big market teams have way more potential to supplement revenue outside of. Yeah, and they can't spend it on players directly, but they can buy indoor <laughs> indoor practices. You can get some umbrellas. Like if you're LA or New York, you can afford some umbrellas for the players <laughs> in a way that's one of the things you don't need in LA. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, for Cooper Cup, maybe. Um, yeah, and that protect his lovely hair, his lovely hair, and his lovely little face, his little beard. Yeah, is is an interesting little beard he's got, isn't it? I feel, I feel like the more confident he was getting, the more manly that beard was getting. <laughs> I feel like he was like a you know a facial Samson. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah, which was my nickname in high school. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I think. Makes the, you think I'm gonna not be calling you anything than posh ham. <laughs> yep, yeah. and, and, and I think posh ham sums me up quite nicely. I think. So, if you had to pick one team to be back out of those two, I would pick the Rams. Yeah, it's hard to hard to envision it not because I think everything that went right for Cincinnati this year. Yeah. Is uh, you know you've you've won a few games there. You, you look has played a role. You've um, I, I don't think people saw them coming, and there's it's it's hard in terms of getting a film on somebody because they were so poor. You know, there's nothing to suggest in his rookie season that he'd be capable of doing some of the things he's done this year. He probably he Joe Burrow probably felt he did. Yeah, but on tape you wouldn't have yeah. that evidence. Yeah. So I feel like to replicate that again with how badly the organizations run the revolving door of the offensive line the fact that there will be a year of tape and just respect you know people will like be like no we need to take chase away from him you know we definitely you know joe burrow is a problem um whereas i agree with what you were saying earlier i think the rams have built to if not win the next two years to yeah. have had like this year give it a good crack yeah they've next got year. two more years i think of being dominant unless they only need one dominator fall if donald comes out and retires and they can't rebuild Beckham's knee, and Miller decides that he's not going to try and be that defense all on his own, then they are truly up shit creek because they're not going to be able to replace yeah. anybody because they don't have any draft picks because they've mortgaged them all away. And, th and then it could be a really strange just like decline, just like a, you know, you because that, because that, I tell you what, for this podcast, I'm quite excited, uh, you know, because we've started it at the end of the NFL season. So it means that for the next, you know, couple of months we can we, we can discuss uh the draft without either of us really watching any college football so uh, <laughs> Which is a plus. Look, look forward to us regurgitating other people's opinion yeah <laughs> yeah uh, well i mean that's what last hour's been to be honest but um the uh when I, when I when i was living out there i didn't appreciate until i was watching a lot of it just how different college football is it's, it's almost like a different sport yeah it's like rugby league it is it's exactly that it's like rugby yeah. league to rugby union like yeah. Different size pitches, like rule changes. Like it's much simpler a game. Yeah. Because college players have smaller brains. <laughs> it's just league. science. Rugby league for northerners, <laughs> smaller brains. He's been waiting to get that. He's like, what? How can I shit on the north? <laughs> Tom's Tom's gone big with some northern stories. I want to get a few northern jabs in. But no, it's fair. Um, <laughs> <laughs> why do you think I left <laughs> like 
I used to get I used to, I used to get bullied all the time at school for being posh, and I'd be like, I'm not being posh. able to spell your name. Well, that's it. I'm like, I'm not posh. I'm just coherent. It's not the. <laughs> That's not the same thing. <laughs> Been able to spell under pressure. <laughs> oh, I can't do that. <laughs> yeah, but I think uh, the, the drafts can be really interesting for all the reasons you just mentioned. And I think the one thing I uh, feel really b- sorry for some of the poorer teams in the NFL, some, some, of, the, some of the teams not in big markets, uh-huh. is every owner, GM, is going to be like, well, Cincinnati did it. Yeah. Cincinnati did it. They didn't spend any money. Cincinnati did it. Mm. And like every coach must be like, oh, for fuck's sake. I'm just going to hear that for the next two years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, until it's proven that Joe Burrow, you know, needs legs to walk on. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, maybe should have spent some money on an offensive line at some point. Yeah. That's definitely true. He's not going to last behind that. So. Do you think, uh, who, who else could be coming back to the Super Bowl? I think Chiefs and Bills, I don't see going anywhere. Yeah. They're going to be dominant next year as well, I imagine. Um uh, is Aaron Rodgers going to be playing for the? Packers? I was just going to ask that. Is Aaron Rodgers staying with the same with the Packers? Because he he didn't he, he sort of gave a, a pretty strong indication that if he's not leaving, he wants some pretty significant changes. Yeah, but yeah, and yet they had a great year. What's, what's wrong with him? What is wrong with him? Well, also like them losing to San Francisco wasn't um, wasn't uh, like he played amazingly and the team let him down. No, like he had some, the whole team didn't show up. Yeah. And he, yeah. he had some, like, bonehead, missing open throws to convert yeah. third downs, like, not taking um, check down reads. I mean, talking like I've ever thrown a football in my life. But, like, it wasn't stuff where you would say Aaron's putting the team on his back and people just aren't no. stepping up for him. No. no, not this year. Last year, but not this year. No. Yeah. No. He's, uh, he's such, I mean, such a character change because I remember when he won this first Super Bowl the, his only Super Bowl mm. and when he went on chat shows he seemed like the most level he seemed like a good guy as well you know in comparison to the sort of psychopath Tom Brady he seemed like oh this guy's really good at uh, American football and he's not a cunt mm-hmm. um, and now that seems to not be the truth anymore <laughs> cunt factor has increased yeah yeah significantly but we should call the podcast that. Cunt factor. Yeah. It's <laughs> just a picture of Simon Cowell's mouth flapping. So we... Uh, well, how, how, do you th- how would you grade this first outing for us? Uh, I would say it's been Kai on chemistry, low on preparation. <laughs> do you think we went, probably went about eight and nine? Yeah, sure. Sure. <laughs> Why not? Let's try it. Let's try it. I'm a, I'm a positive, optimistic guy, David, you know me. Let's yeah. go for nine and eight next week. Great. Cool. Yeah. Perfect. Um, yeah. Right. We'll probably bring it to a close right there then. Any final words? Uh, yeah. I sincerely hope um, England do well against Wales, although I'm, I think Wales is going to be England. Oh. That's, my, that's my prediction for that game. Do you have a prediction for Scotland's next game? Um, France, aren't we? Mm-hmm. I'm going to say Scotland are going to win. Yeah? Yeah, because no one else would. All right. We'll come back next week. We'll see if we got it right. Cheers, everybody. Thank you. I think Ireland will beat Italy. (laughs) (laughs) That was fun. That was fun. Was that your first one?